Welcome to the Bob. <sighs> you just bombed the last one of Deuteronomy. Wow. Welcome to the Bobcatch Podcast. My name is Stuttering Don. And I am Star. Nef- non stuttering Scott. Scott. <laughs> yeah. Don and Scott here. So, Scott. Yes. Stuttering um, Don. Yes. We are on potentially, we're going to make it through, the last two chapters of Deuteronomy. We're going to do this. Yes. We can do this. And if you're sitting there going, oh, I'm so bummed that I don't get to listen to Scott and Don, don't worry. Just We wait. have a surprise for you because we are going to start another book. And that book is? You'll just have to wait and find out. Oh, we should do a big announcement. Oh, we should. Yes. So maybe one week, <coughs> that will be our podcast. The b- <laughs> <laughs> Tune in, it'll be at 30. And the book is blah. All right, see you next time. Yep. Yeah, later. <laughs> and partially that is because we're still praying about it. Yeah, we had some good ideas, and we got to see what we're going to do and which direction we're going to go. Mm-hmm. But we've got some good ideas, and we could tell you, but we're not. Yeah, we're... Yeah, no, yeah, we're I just d- not. I'm not there yet. No, me neither. We should talk about it. But we've that. got some good ideas. <laughs> uh, which, after we're done today, we'll probably talk about that. Yeah, we'll have a good discussion about it. I'm just adjusting levels. Oh, okay. I'm nervous about the last podcast where I had no headphones. Oh. Like, oh boy. Did you ever hear it? Do you know what it sounds like? I haven't mastered it. it. I don't master them until the week I do them. Oh, okay. So, so I, we'll I think it'll be all right. They're a little, this is a little bit, it was a little bit clippy, okay. but I think it'll be all right. Okay. So, so maybe our last one was not good, but. We no, it was. Okay. And if you haven't listened to it yet. It's fine. Well, no, no, not that one. The one before this that they haven't. Yeah, heard so yet. yeah, so I'm saying if you, if you haven't listened to it yet, it's fine. Oh, okay, it's fine. Right. Everything's fine. Yeah, absolutely, okay. no problems there. Yes. So with that, um, you know, sadly enough, we actually got a lot of our banter out like before we got on. No, that's good because we probably, you know, because we're gonna make it through this. Yeah, I don't know. And, and it went a little bit political, and we're not going that direction. Yeah. Yeah. I've uh, we've got two vacant city council seats open in my city. Oh wow! So I get to vote in the top. There's I think five candidates. The top two get seats. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm actually. Whatever shall I do? I know that our district going for a levy. That's about all I know. Oh yeah, we like outside of those two seats. There's like nothing. Mm-hmm. Oh mayor, we have a mayoral oh, elec- that's election. That's kind of a big deal. Yeah, I'm I'm voting a. I'm not gonna say it. Yeah, I am. I'm voting against the incumbent. Yeah, he raised my water bill twice in the last few years. Oh, he's out. Yeah, that's rough. Brother's gone. You should be able to flush your toilet and not have to pay more money. Actually, he hired the guy that made those taxes, and he wants to raise our income tax by 0.25% because he wants new roads. That's why. Brother, we gave you money for roads 10 years ago when we moved in. What'd you do with it? You didn't put it into roads. Well, then you now have. Well, I mean, you guys are still horse and buggy anyway, aren't you? funny you should say that there is the Amish that come down sometimes. Is it really? I have a picture somewhere. I'll have to show you. I was like at a grocery store. I was like, that is a horse and buggy in the parking lot. Where do they park? In the parking lot. But but how do they keep the horse still? I don't know. I'll see if I can. Just just sat there. I'll see if I got the picture. Like, do you tie it down to the the grocery cart like thingy? I don't think you tied it up at all. I think the horse was just like, yeah, whatever. It's what we do. 
you just train your horse to chill? Like, what happens? <laughs> like, I watch cartoons. Don't they get afraid of, like, mice? Oh, that's elephants. Uh, well, I'd be worried about, like, loud noises or something. I mean, this is my city after all this. Right. I mean, everybody's got it, either no exhaust or an exhaust piece to make their car louder. Do they have, like, little poop buckets on the back of them, or do they just kind of go as they... You know, I didn't get that close to the horse's rear end. Because my <laughs> car probably causes more pollution than their poop does. No, you got a you got a very efficient car. Well, I know, but it still probably has worse emissions than poop. I mean, I their quote car <laughs> fertilizes as they poop. Mine doesn't fertilize the environment. I gotta have a picture of that in here somewhere. Yeah, I, I really thought I did. See it actually, come on, people at home, don't worry. It's an awesome picture that I can't find. Right, and and so you, I can't see it, and you can't see it. Nope, that's gone. I wonder if I have it backed up. I oh, it's on my Google ones. Oh. Uh, so I'm not gonna see this. I'll find I it. I was very excited though. I'll find it. I I'll find it for you. I just have to find my. I have too many apps on here. I actually don't fully understand because like I, we saw a bunch of Amish people at Kings Island. Are they allowed Bro, to go to I, amusement parks? I think that there's, um varying levels of what they're able to do and what they use because like some Amish I have seen use farm equipment like massive combines and stuff so I'd imagine there's probably different types and different levels depending on where you are okay so we're in Old Testament we're talking Jewish people so we live in Roselawn which is right across the train tracks you've got a Jewish temple-ish type thing and you've got a bunch of Jews that on Friday Saturday Friday? Oh, Saturday yeah, you night? live here now. You get to watch the walking. Yeah, they walk like, it's like, isn't that more, if you're not supposed to work on Sabbath, isn't that more work than driving your car? They can walk a Sabbath mile. Okay. I can't remember how long that is. A Sabbath mile. Yeah, it's like they have a certain amount of steps they can take or a certain distance they can go. But isn't it less work for to drive a car? I would think so, but like the whole, uh, like, Remember, uh, Jesus' disciples walk into the field harvesting grain, yeah. and the Pharisees get all belligerent about it. Um, the rule was stated as such as you could have grapes on the Sabbath as long as you pluck them off of the vine the day before. Okay. So, you, so I mean, like that's how ridiculous that was. But they're walking that day. Yeah, but, you know, walking was accepted in the old school. Maybe, I, I have no idea. I mean, the, the laws... And I mean, we probably don't have any Jewish listeners. If so, we're probably going to get some emails. Yep. Um, which, but which the laws. Hopefully, they're informational emails because I'm, I'm actually legitimately well, curious. Well, in a minute, that hopefully it'll be. Uh, uh, everyone's about to get mad. Uh-oh. Um, the parsing down of the laws to stuff like making sure the grapes are picked on Saturday before the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. I almost said on Saturday because it would be Sunday, I guess before um, the Sabbath, so that they didn't do work. And the, like, rates that they went through to keep the law were not even borderline ridiculous. Mm, okay. They just were ridiculous. So, like, the idea that, like, you have to keep a tradition where you're right. Driving is a lot less movement of the foot, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot less taxing on the body, unless you're in our traffic. Sometimes it could be more. Right. Um, and so on and so forth is showing you how ridiculous the law has been butchered okay. over the years. Because I'm just like, I don't understand. <laughs> but yeah, I, but not all Jews do that either. So like that's, I mean. Right, we yeah. just have that community that This does. is a very highly Jewish community that, 
Although we did go through, we saw a house in the area, and we we're just curious because um, we were looking at, at getting a bigger house so we could like in, invite more people in. And it was one of those that they had their like <laughs> booths up in their backyard. And oh, like, for Sukkot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, okay. Yeah, we we have a mutual friend that uh, put up a tent in her apartment. Hmm. We'll talk later. Cal- Californian friend. Oh, okay. I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, she did I it here in pictures. Cinti too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. yeah. I think I know who you're talking about. Because her sister still lives here in Cincy. I know she had a sister. Then we're maybe not about <laughs> the same person. All right. Never All mind right, then. Yeah. Okay. So with that. It's like um, Christ fulfilled the whole wall. Oh, sorry. <laughs> We'll talk later. Yeah. Right, yeah okay. So with that, um, since we're talking about Jew, uh, Jewish people and we're talking about walking, um, today's passage has nothing to do with walking, um, but definitely the Jewish people and God's people. So with that, we are Deuteronomy 33 through um, all of 33 and hopefully all of 34. Um, 34 is pretty easy because Moses dies. Um, Spoiler. Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. Yeah, whatever. Do I know? Okay. Yeah, you guys pack it up. We're done here. So we hinted at the end of 32. It was at least in this Bible. It says mm. Moses death foretold. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I make a good point. And then 34 says the death of Moses. So, um, <laughs> but it ends. I'm well. switching to NASB where they don't wait. They have the same headings. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So with that, um, I just brain farted. Oh, Deuteronomy 33. So we'll start off Deuteronomy 33, um, 1 through 6. This is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the people of Israel before his death. He said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned from Seir upon us. He is shown forth from Mount Paran. He came from the ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at the right hand. Yes, he loved his people. All his holy ones were in his hand. So they followed in in your steps, receiving direction from you. When Moses commanded us a law as a possession for the assembly of Jacob, thus the Lord became king in uh, Jeshurun. When the heads of the people were gathered, all the tribes of Israel together, let Reuben live and not die, but let his men be few. I like how you ended that. <laughs> it was like, and? Nope, nope, that was it. Yep, that's it. Okay. What you got? Uh, just some little things. When he's discussing the Lord coming and dawning uh, from Seir. I, how do you pronounce it? Seir? Seir. Seir. I don't know if that's right, but. It sounded good to me. Okay, sounds um, good. We. Two years, we still don't have the uh, How to Pronounce Hebrew Names book. <laughs> yeah, we need to get that. I actually used to have one. I know. We just... I just don't know where it's at. Uh, yeah, maybe, ne- maybe next time we'll get one. Right. Yeah. Um, the uh, the shown forth was a strong word that would discuss like a, uh, a rising sun or like exploding star. It was like the, it was like God was showing forth. He was illuminating everything and it was magnificent. Mm-hmm. So it, once again, is like we might lose a little bit. Like, oh, it's shown forth. That sounds so Shakespearean, but like it's the idea that God is like grand. Mm-hmm. It, like he's big, he's bright, he's amazing. He's undeniable. You can't miss him kind of thing. It's a, it's more that glorious God description. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of what I had is, is I mean, verse two, I mean, I mean you kind of have that, that Sinai, that, that picture of when God came down around Sinai and um, 
I mean, the rest of it kind of talks about how God loves his people. We, we kind of have a little bit of historic reminder right here of really God's power and yet God's relationship with his people. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of reiterated and some just really cool language. Did Christopher Wright say holy ones were angels or the chosen people? Um, we're talking wait, which verse again? It's still two. He says that he came from ten the blah, 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 from the ten thousands of holy ones. See, I don't think he addressed it. Uh, Grisanti threw it up in the air. Um, he said, it "Depends on how you interpret it." And I was like, "Thanks." So, or nothing. so here's <laughs> what here's what he said. He said, "This is his exact words: the transcendent power of Yahweh is acclaimed by reference to the Sinai theophany." Sinai is remembered not merely as the place of the giving of the law, but as the occasion when the awesome cosmic power of Yahweh was demonstrated and the place from which Yahweh marched forth victoriously at the head of his heavenly host and his mobilized earthly people. Cool. That's why that's what that's what I got from him. Yeah, there's a Grisanti was like that could be the holy ones could be talking about the angelic race or it could be talking about god's chosen people and he yeah. he, he said it, uh, he literally said like it depends on how it's interpreted and i was okay. like well that, that uh, how should we interpret it there buddy and he, so. he seemed to kind of I, he didn't really address it as far as i can tell cool um and then i guess we've still got the same thing i guess as we've seen already um he loved his people um they followed in his footsteps they were obedient um they received direction from him so, so ultimately, what we see God is the, they, they're obedient to him. Israel submits to Yahweh as their guide and instructor. Um, the law was given to Moses, and Yahweh becomes established as king. Um, and that's kind of what I have from two through five. Yeah, same. Okay. Uh, not a whole lot of difference. No. He, he, I did notice that there's a lot of citing of Christopher Wright okay. in that portion again. So, And the thing is, Christopher Wright really didn't have a lot to say. So, Yeah, I, n- I noticed um, that... The, I feel like they got all the way through the book and they're like, huh, let's just finish this out. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like the, the past couple chapters have been a lot less. Yeah. And, it's kind of, it, it's been more face value. Yeah. It seems. All right. So then let's hit. Oh, about Ruben really oh, yeah. quick. Sorry. Uh, the only thing I really had for six when he said, let Ruben live and not die. He's, uh, and uh, let his men be few. He's referring back to uh, Jacob's displeasure with Reuben for sleeping with his concubine. Uh, you know, family issues that are very mm-hmm. common. Not at all. No. Um, but uh, so he was basically letting that. You don't have a concubine? No, no. You, you know what? I left mine at the store. I uh, decided it was expensive and didn't want to, you know. That's fair. So I got a lot of kids. Yeah, I need, you know, another mouth to feed. That's a lot. Yeah, um, that could be a lot more kids. Oh, dear. I could be like Jacob. You could. The baby race. <laughs> Talk about medical bills. Mm-hmm. Woo. Anyway, uh, where were we? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I just went to Solomon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that man. Yes. That man. Ooh, not, not I know good. I had time to have a kingdom or write a couple books. Slaves. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, if we got into Solomon's transgressions, that could be a podcast in and of itself. Oh, yeah. That man. That man. That man. Anyway, uh, yeah, his. Uh, uh, when it says let his men be few, a good interpretation of that, according to Grisanti, was uh, let his men be numbered, uh, which if you look at the promises of Abraham, it's always like uncountable, like the sands in the sea and the stars in the sky. It's these like non-countable numbers that are promised. And with Rubens, he's saying, you know, let there be a number put on them. 
So when he says, let the men be few, uh, it, that's a decent translation from what I could tell. You know, it's like, eh, let him, you know, let him, but it's not like, hey, look, Ruben, you get 100 people, man. And that's it. We're ending the line there. It's more like everyone's going to have grand numbers, but your tribe will be able to count it. OK. You know, it's not it's not necessarily like a, you're not going to be millions or thousands or whatever. It was more like, a, hey, man. It's sticking around. You get to enter the promised land, but you're not going to be the band. So I guess the blessing then comes in when it says, let Reuben live and not die. So, yeah. And let, you know, we it, deserved it, but thank you, God. Yeah. It's kind of like, hey, you're going to be, you'll be, the, you'll be there. Okay. Yeah. You'll be there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're all going, we're all going to go to the amusement park and uh, everyone's going to ride some rides and you're going to, you're going to be there. Okay. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's not a it, strong invitation but it's like hey man we're happy you're around all right no funnel cake for you all right yeah. all right so now we've got judah mm -hmm. um judah is verse seven through that's okay. it <laughs> um and this he said to of judah hear O lord the voice of judah and bring him into his people with your hands contend for him and be a help against his adversaries the biggest thing here is what is left out is any messianic prophecies, mm -hmm. uh, which with Judah we've gotten in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and it's almost as if Moses is staying here like, yeah, man, uh, you know, you're the voice of Judah. Bring him into the people and you know, help help the man out. Help him against his adversaries. It's okay. it's kind of like you already know what's going on with him. So, you know, pu push him along. OK, that's that's kind of the the gist. Good deal. Kind of a boring Judah. I was gonna say verse seven. Uh, he he only got a verse. Yeah, but but um, but he gets in the in Joseph's or Jacob's blessings at the end of uh, his life. He gets that the messianic prophecies through Judah and stuff. So here it's kind of like, hey, you guys know what's up? Help this guy out. Yeah. Okay. Don't have to tell you twice. So now we got Levi. Levi. Uh, they 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 got uh, that tribe. Well, uh oh. This read. one's weird. I I want to hear what you have to say. Okay, I've got some. All right. All right, verse 8 through 11. And of Levi, he said, Give to Levi your Thummim and your Urim to your godly one, whom you tested at Massa, with whom you quarreled at the waters of Meribah, who said of his father and mother, I regard them not. He disowned his brothers and ignored his children, for they observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your rules and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and before you, and whole burnt offerings on your altar. Bless, O Lord, his substance, and accept the work of his hands. Crush the loins of his adversaries, of those who hate him, that they rise not again. Or that they rise not again. So the biggest thing I got stuck on were the stones. So, okay, so I did too. Um, and here's what I at least got, because Christopher Wright didn't say much. I went to a couple of different commentaries and couldn't find much. Um, I finally went to the I... What was that? The, the uh, IVP? Yeah, the IVP Old Testament commentary. Um, and it said the, that the, Thurm, the, the Thummim and Urim um, were the sacred stones used as lots for getting a yes or no decision and yeah. questions addressed to God and were carried in a pouch of, of the high priest's breastpiece. And I put seek God. Um, where does that mean they were seen as godly that they were given that opportunity to have those stones? Um, we're we're such I a we're such a non mystical religion. Mm -hmm. Like Christianity is such a non like we 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 don't read tea leaves. We don't 
like nowadays we don't cast lots, but we right. read all about it happening, you know, in the New Testament, they cast mm-hmm. lots for the new, next dis- disciple, uh, the casting lots for Jesus's robe. You know, there, there, there seems to be a lot of this, you know, kind of, I don't want to say divination, but it's almost got that feel to it. Like yeah. you're going to throw some sticks on the ground or you're going to drop like some seeds in the air to see where they blow or you're going to, you know, mm-hmm. there's like all this stuff. And then like, it's like, okay, so we got these little symbols, whatever. And then it's like, Oh no, man, these were like the magic rocks. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, what? Uh, excuse me. And, and, and there's not <laughs> a lot written. Like there's some in Exodus. There's a little bit of Leviticus, but for the most part, most commentators didn't seem to know much what to say about <laughs> that. There wasn't much said for or against it really. Um, as, yeah. as much as I saw. So like, I had a bunch of question marks here because I actually didn't know how to fully take that. The, the, um, the only consolation I take in this is like, he says, give to Levi your, those two rock names, to your godly one. And that's like the key to that. Like, give it to the one you trust to listen to God. So like, there evidently was like a, a wisdom that was required for this guy who got to carry them around. And he's saying like, hey, hey, hey. Give your rocks to the to the one that trusts and reveres God. Right. So that's that's the only thing I could find. But it, it was kind of like a I've never really looked deep into it. And I know like the, you know, different stones did different things and they represented the twelve tribes of Israel and the ephod and like, you know, all this other stuff. But like to read that, it's the first time I really came across that and paid attention to it. And I was like, curveball. <laughs> I just weird. Yeah, I, I just I basically took it as that they were worthy almost I guess I kind of understood it as they were worthy enough to be able to communicate with God on a deeper level than the rest of Israel. Yeah, and discern when to use such yeah. a device. Um, and then it said that they were, so later on it says that they were tested um, at Massa, um, with whom we quarreled. So, I mean, it gives two occasions of, of, of where they were found faith tested and where they were found mm-hmm. faithful. Um, and that's that was the only thing I could pull from that because I, I didn't, again, I don't fully understand that that. Uh, Thummim and Urim type thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. That, yeah. It's all right. Um, cool, Levi's. You got some magic. Yeah. <laughs> verse nine. Um, hey, wait, really? Magic is not what I mean. I know it's like, God, don't go out there thinking you can now go get your own little magic stones. Yeah. Because that's anti what we're talking about. I'm just saying that they had a blessed relic in some way that we don't understand right. and it, it throws us through a loop as well, but that doesn't mean that you're permitted to go out and get your own blessed rocks. Right. And the Levites were the ones that were allowed to go before God. And then there were yeah. ways and reasons that they could enter the temple, et cetera. So again, I, yeah, yes. we have, we have full unadulterated access to God now, thanks to what Christ did. Right. So we don't need magic and he, rocks. And even in Deuteronomy, he kind of, if you remember earlier in Deuteronomy, we address, I mean, not we, but Moses addressed, you know, divination and that sort of thing as not right. being a good thing. So it's not like, oh, well, back then they, no, not even back then it was okay. Yeah, um, there, there I, was something set aside about these. Right. So. Right. Um, verse 9, who said of his father and mother, I regard them not. He disowned his brothers and ignored his children. So um, the Levites were prepared to put their loyalty to Yahweh above even their own family, mm-hmm. um, which ultimately, I think, says a lot about kind of the tribe of, of Levi and, and also their role as priests. Um, let's see, verse 10. Um, their job was to teach. Yeah, it's um, the outlining of their service. Yeah. Essentially, um, I mean, they were to, to teach um, and there were times, I mean, in, in the Old Testament that 
um, when they taught and things went well, um, they were um, congratulated or, or they were um, acknowledged for that. Yeah, like we look at Ezra right. and, and stuff like that. But then we also have Eli's mm-hmm. out there that were just rotten fathers and mm-hmm. ra- were, you know, raising horrible kids. So we do see it go both way, but we do see the actual uh, call as to what they're supposed to be doing. But unfortunately, we surprise, surprise, see it go the way that sadly, you know, many of us tend to lean towards, which is lazy or using it for our own benefit or whatever. Well, I mean, the Levites were held accountable when they didn't follow God and didn't teach the the, the people. I mean, so, right. I mean, they really were put in a, it's almost, what was it, Paul that talks about um, being held to a higher standard. I mean, it's one of those that, that they are to teach and um, they are to, to make sure that the Israel is following God's law. And, and when they don't follow God's law, then, then, Again, they're the ones that are blamed for it. Yeah. Um, not to say that Israel doesn't play a role in that. However, yeah. their job, I mean, the, the well, Levites' job was to make sure that they were following God and his commands. Yeah. Wait, wait. Did I have the right? Yeah, that was Eli, right? His sons with Samuel. Did I have my right priest? Yeah. So, no. Because so Zechariah was, the, was another good example. Right. And has, during Hezekiah's time, they... Um, yeah, they helped bring them back during Hezekiah's well, time. And during David's time, we also have uh, an example of the priests helping out David mm-hmm. and storing the sword of Goliath, because that falls under the. <laughs> well, they were the ones to carry the. Um, um, why am I brain farting? I don't even know. I'm, I'm brain farting, but they're to carry the th- the thing. The ark. Yes. Thank ah, you. yes. It was the yes. For some yeah, reason, I I have I a son. I thought I have a son named Elijah, and we call him Eli. And I suddenly was like, "Wait, did I just put my kid into the wrong part of the Bible?" Like, no. so <laughs> I'm yeah, we're cool. We're okay, cool people. Cool. All right, so we're yeah, good there. Sorry. Um, Woo. Yeah. Um, verse eleven. Did I read verse? I did. Yeah, you did. Um, bless O Lord his substance and accept the work of his hands. Crush the loins of his adversaries of those who hate him that they rise against. That, that sounds painful. What? what yeah. What's he saying there? Uh, I was too busy looking for magic rocks. Uh, okay. <laughs> I can see that. I know Crush the Lanes does have a potential painful. I'm going to see if there's anything in here about it really quick. All right. Talks amongst yes, yourselves. I'm trying to see if I've got anything. Um, just pretend that we were. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't. Let's see. One man's interpretation of. Nope, that's 12. So, okay. So I did put the NIV version in here. So I just read the NASB and the NIV version says. Bless all his skills, Lord, and be pleased with the work of his hands. Strike down those who rise against him, his foes, till they rise no more. Uh, so yeah, and unfortunately, this comes off of the NIV as well. And so that I, I think that focuses on protection for those that f- uh, follow God um, or whose actions are honoring to Him, and then those that don't. Well, yeah, good luck on that one. Yeah, there's nothing in here that talks that. And I actually, with a, a, a little later down, I'll have some bones to pick with the ESV. Right now, I have one to pick with the NIV because it doesn't really go deep into that. No. So. Okay. So then we got an. Yeah, I originally studied that in the NIV too. My bad. Benjamin. Um, of Benjamin, he said, The beloved of the Lord dwells in safety. Mm. The high God surrounds him all day long. 
and dwells between his shoulders. Yeah. Um, biggest thing I have there is that it's a, a very intimate picture. It's a, a, the dwelling between the shoulders actually sounds like somebody's giving you a hug from behind or something, or mm-hmm. it sounds like maybe you have like the, you know, angel on your shoulder or something, but actually dwelling be- between the shoulders was basically a, you're getting a hug. Okay. So despite the fact your shoulders are behind you, as you think it actually is talking about like facing somebody or between their shoulders, you're dwelling oh. whole on within them. Okay. So I know it's kind of a weird sound. Cause I got the protection part and then I, I, I literally put in my notes, the shoulders. Um, I don't understand. Yeah. And, it's and that's a, really what I wrote down. Cause it's like, I don't know. And, and the couple places I looked, I was like, I, yeah, if, it, if you ask your wife to like rub your shoulders, you tend to think that she's sitting behind you. She's rubbing right. your shoulder. You know, you kind of get that feeling. But the whole idea was between the shoulders is the trunk of a person. Okay. And it's your front face to face between their shoulders. So it's a very, it's it's a, it's a snuggling picture. Oh, okay. uh, ben- Benjamin has a very unique and uh, intimate relationship promised. Oh, I like that. So, I want to yeah. be part of his tribe. You're um, right. You know, it's <laughs> like we go through so much garbage and like man i just want to rest god i just want to be between your shoulders that's like a that's time. a yeah it's a different type of prayer right absolutely. there absolutely oh, that's a psalm okay so so your your church does that is, is that a psalm no we should no we don't we do a couple but we don't we're not exclusive okay we do say. we do hymn psalms and a couple of like ones we write on our own okay so well, you need to talk to your worship pastor and be like yeah what's the up beloved of the lord dwells in safety <laughs> And dwells between his shoulders. And they'd be like, uh, yeah, Don, that's cool. We'll that's look into working that in. Never. Of course. Yeah. All right. I'll write that song. What? Like, what? It's from the Bible. It's biblical, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't say that that's bad. Oh, we're going to sing this one by Martin Luther, but we're not going <laughs> to sing this one by Don Dudley. Yeah. All right. That's fine. Martin Luther. I mean, no, come on. He, what's he, man, this what's is he got Mo- on me? This is Moses here. What's Luther got on me? Um, Sorry. All right. So Joseph. Where were we? Uh, verse 13. <laughs> yes. And of Joseph, he said, Blessed by the Lord be his land with the choicest gifts of heaven above and of the deep that crouches beneath with the choicest fruits of the sun and uh, the rich yield of the months with the finest produce of the ancient mountains and the abundance of the everlasting hills with the best gifts of the earth and its fullness and of the favor of him who dwells in the bush. May these rest on the head of Joseph on the pate of him who is prince among his brothers a firstborn bull, he has majesty, and his horns are the horns of a wild ox. And with them he shall gore the peoples, all of them, to the ends of the earth. And they are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the thousands of Manasseh. So we are very um, happy with the ESV. We read the ESV. We've used it for this. I mean, if you went back through and listened to every podcast, you would hear the entire book of Deuteronomy read out of the ESV. Right? Yes. But I really highly question why they chose the translation for this section that they did. Because the NIV is much more poetic. And actually... If I get a chance, I might look up the NASB to see if it's also as poetic. Okay. Here's the NIV's rendering of verses 13 through 16. May the Lord bless his land with the precious dew from heaven above and with the deep waters that lie below. With the best the sun brings forth and the finest the moon can yield. 
with the choicest gifts of the ancient mountains and the fruitfulness of the everlasting hills, with the best gifts of the earth and its fullness and the favor of him who dwelt in the burning bush. Okay, that sounds way cooler and makes a lot more sense. And every single one of those are drawing parallels. So 16, the precious dew in deep waters. Or sorry, that's 13. Precious dew in deep waters. 14, the best and finest that the sun brings and what the moon can yield. Mm -hmm. Choices, gifts, and fruitfulness coming from the mountains and the hills. And then in 16, the best gifts in the favor for him, man, who dwells on the earth, and the one who is in the burning bush, God, the voice that came through the burning bush. And Christopher Why? And I think Christopher Wright addresses like the NIV version. Um, While you talk about that, I'm going to look up the NASB really quick just to see. Um, Because it says God has provided. Well, again, really, um, Christopher Wright basically addresses exactly what you did. Um, And I I was kind of confused as I was reading through it. Um, What is he talking about? (laughs) Right. And now I realize that, okay, he went for the NIV version, not necessarily the ESV version. Um, So that makes a little bit more sense. I, um, yeah, I did not understand, but sorry, go on. So I did have, so the IVP um, Bible did talk a little bit about um, the bull and the ox. Yes. Um, it says the bull or the ox metaphor is the bull and the ox are symbols of fertility and strength. So both elements are included in this blessing on the Joseph tribes, um, Manasseh and Ephraim. So ultimately, um, it's that idea of, of uh, again, the bull or ox is that, that symbol of fertility and strength. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where that came in because I, um, Christopher Wright didn't get much there, and then I was like, well, "What does that mean?" <laughs> um, and so I was glad that that they kind of addressed that a little bit because I was like, All right, I, "I don't get the bull ox thing." So NASB is the same. The blessed be the Lord, His land with the choice things of heaven, with the dew, and from the deep lying beneath, and the choice yield of the sun, and the choice produce of the months. So the months I understand because that's the phases of the moon, just how that's being put out and with the best things of the ancient mountains and with the uh choice things of the everlasting hills and with the choicest things of the earth and its fullness and the favor of him who dwelt in the bush they did remove the water the deep lying beneath but it still reads better to me than the esv did okay so i don't know why i and i i'm like well maybe they're just more intellectual and they decided to nix the poetry but man the niv and we found that somewhere else where the NIV seemed to make a little more of that poetry than the any than the ESV did. So I don't know what what's up. I would love to find out a little bit more, or maybe actually learn Hebrew. Do we know what the literature of this section is supposed to be? Is it supposed to be more pro- poetic? I mean, it's a blessing, so I I'm assuming that there's probably some imagery in it. Okay, and and I think they addressed it in Je- uh, the beginning was Jeshurun. And I usually Israel in a more poetic sense or when the Bible uses more poetry as as that aspect of literature. That's how they address Israel. That's true. I remember that from. Oh, here's the Holman Christian. I'm going to look at that because that's kind of usually uh, as it loads. And come on. We just bragged about your speedy Internet. Yeah. Well, it's so full at almost 200 megs per second. This has got to be your iPhone. How dare you? Yeah. Go back to Android. No way. Uh, it says dew, watery depths, bountiful harvest uh, from the sun, abundant yield of the seasons. Uh, once again, uh, that's how they got the moon. Um, yeah, it's still it's still more poetic than the ESV. It still has more of those those comparisons and contrasts. Does it? 
Yeah, so I'm a little disappointed okay. in that. I mean, I'm no Bible scholar, but I'm going to say NASB, NIV, and Holman Christian all read more into that than the uh, ESV does. Okay. So, and those are, I mean, the NIV is probably my least favorite of the three, mm-hmm. but NASB and Holman are both pretty decent. Okay. So that's interesting. I'd have to. Yeah. Maybe go a little bit deeper then. Yeah. So, hey, if anyone out there knows why the translation committee did that to us, let, let us know. Send us an email. Yeah. At? Bakash at Outlook.com. All right. That's B-A-Q-A-S-H at Outlook.com. All right. I had to think about that way too long. So, yeah, yeah I was going to yeah, say, yeah, we, yeah. we've only been doing that for three years. Yeah. So. Carry the one. <laughs> the uh, the next one is, um, <coughs> where, where did I stop at? Uh, oh, Zebulun. Yes. So, verse 18. And Zebulun, he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in your going out, and the and Ishkar in your tents. They shall call peoples to their mountain, and they offer right sacrifices, for they draw from the abundance of the seas and the hidden treasures of the sand. I have, like, absolutely nothing outside of what you read. I was really hoping that you would because I got nothing either. That's another very face value. All right. So then we <laughs> got verse 20. Um, being in Gad, and of Gad, he said... Blessed be he who enlarges God or Gad. What? Sorry, no. Blessed be <laughs> he who enlarges Gad. Gad crouches like a lion. He tears off arm and scalp. He chose the best of the land for himself, for there a commander's portion was reserved, and he came with the heads of the people. With Israel he executed the justice of the Lord and his judgments for Israel. Same. Yeah, he's I was going to say, I think a- it's pretty self-explanatory right like yeah there's nothing really like major out of it yeah he, he's a more aggressive mm-hmm. took a leader's role yep and but that was about it yep and did a pretty good job of it all right and of dan verse 22 and of dan he said dan is a lion's cub that leaps from bashan the only thing is that bashan it was common for lions to live there okay <laughs> so it's kind of like uh He's he's like a lion's cub that leaves from Bashan, so he's like a lion. He's yeah, there once again not a whole lot. And and Gad um, Gad he crouched like a lion. This was like a lion's cub. So is he like a little bit more peaceful then? A little um, bit more chill. Wait, who's that for Gad? Yeah. No, he didn't say anything about Gad. He uh, the only thing that I got out of this was that Dan was like a lion's. Oh, cub. Dan, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Sir. So Gad um, was Gad was like a lion. Dan he says, was like a lion's cub. He says it is cryptic that he mentioned him from Bashan. In this verse, several scholars have suggested that Bashan is a form of a long word I can't pronounce um, that could also mean viper. But if this was true, it would uh, allude to Genesis forty nine seventeen, where Dan is described as a serpent. So he, they're either saying that he's both a lion and a serpent, or he's like a lion that comes from the place. But you're, it sounds like it's up to you. Yeah. Uh, it was probably understood by the hearer, but maybe not by us. And the only thing I got was the region of Bashan is entered in the area of the upper Yarmuk River, um, east of the Sea of Galilee. Its northern border is Mount Hermon. Woohoo! That's all I got. From the mighty Bashan. All right. Yeah. So with that, um, next. And the Naphtali, he said, O Naphtali, um, sated with favor and full of the blessing of the Lord, possesses the lake in the south. Um, yep. <laughs> it didn't go long. Um, uh, they believe that 
uh, this is one of the few that really does discuss the physical characteristics of where they're going, but that's about it. Yep. The water and the sea is, but it also is the most favorable. Naphtali is the most favorable uh, blessing with being the favorite of the Lord is what you read in there. So okay. I'm, I'm once again, nothing, nothing huge. Yep. All right. So in verse 24, and of Asher, he said, most blessed of the sons of Asher or be Asher. Let him be the favorite of his brothers and let him dip his foot in oil. Your bars shall be iron and bronze. And as your days, so shall your strength be. There is none like a God or so. So that would be really the last one, right? Um, oh, yeah. Because, uh, uh, yeah, Asher gets uh, another high blessing for some reason mm-hmm. there. And maybe if I went back, I probably should have read some of the uh, Jacob blessings to see maybe a little bit more depth into it. But once again, the whole like your feet washed in olive oil and stuff like that, those are like high expensive and, and, blessings. and so like the IVP basically said that this metaphor speaks of prosperity, right? Um, bathing feet in oil, washing feet was a constant need um, and an act of hospitality in the dusty terrain. So only the wealthy um, would be able to experience a washing of the feet with olive oil. Um, and so this was definitely a, a metaphor of prosperity. Now the bolts and gates I didn't fully get. So I'll write just kind of what, <laughs> what I read and wrote down. So the locking system on gates and doors usually included a bar, wood or metal, that slid into the opening of the posts. The brackets that held the bar firmly to the doors are probably what is referred to by the bolts of this passage. The gate could be breached by applying a battering ram to the center where the doors met in order to break the bar. Brackets would make the bar much harder to break, but they in turn could break brackets of bronze or iron could make a gate much harder to break though so i think it's supposed to be an example of strength um when you're looking at at how that would all fit together yeah and iron at the time was probably one of the heaviest and toughest metals to work with Mm -hmm. so you're also looking at that as well okay iron wasn't uh a very common thing that you would use for offense, but you would use probably more for defense. Right. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely a, a well-regarded, heavy, hard to work with metal. So it's, there could be some like allusion to the care and stability in which that was made right. and the, the firmness in which that was made. I could imagine that's, yeah. that's my own conjecture. Yeah. I don't know. No, nobody wrote that in a commentary that I know of. Yep. Don's new commentary comes out next week. Yeah, it's going to be short because I don't like to spend a lot of time on things. Right. <laughs> um, and then so we it's like Cliff's notes, Don's notes. Oh, you know, yeah. Okay. Hey, wait. Ooh. This was Cliff. I don't even but know. But notes. But everyone's going to know who Don is. Yeah, no. Being the however many people listen to our podcast. Yeah. We'll sell dozens to my friends and family right, of so copies. All right, all right. <laughs> Do I get a cheap? discount if I buy it Kindle? Bro, dude, I'll just email it to you. Oh, cool. You'll have to proofread it anyway. (laughs) All right. Um, Chapter 33, verse 26 through 29. There is none like God, O Jeshurun, who rides through the heavens to your help, uh, through the skies and and his majesty. The eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he thrust out the enemy before you, and he said, Destroy. So Israel lived in safety. Jacob lived alone in a land of grain and wine whose heavens dropped down dew. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, 
a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help, and the sword of your triumph. Your enemies shall come fawning to you, and you shall tread upon their backs. Man, what a great final war cry. Absolutely. And I think they win. Yeah, and then they lose. <laughs> yeah, they but at least right here, it looks like they win. Yeah, they they definitely get what's promised by God. Once again, you saw, you see Jeshurun, so you see that pet name mm-hmm. uh, going on, and it's God talking about, or it's Moses talking about God's greatness and your dwelling places in God above all. It's not just a, a earthly domain, it, and your God is like doing all the heavy lifting for you. He's, you know, he's gonna uh, like provide a land full of amazing like blessings you will be the sole owners of the land uh, you know so on and so forth it, the enemies will come to you you will like you know destroy them you'll you'll make them your slaves you'll you know you'll own you'll be renowned so on and so forth right it's a it's a good big thing mm-hmm. yep until they screwed up many times yeah oh israel thanks <laughs> thanks for showing us the example so verse so this ends chapter 23. Um, 33. 33, what I say? 23. Oh, 33. Um, we see that there is none like Yahweh, uh, none like our God. He's powerful. He's king. Um, and then we, we see that it ends with a nation of prosperity, protection, and triumph. And now we get into chapter 34. And this right here at first seems like kind of a sad moment, but he's got a pretty awesome eulogy when you look at kind of how Moses ends his life. I was like, ooh, you know, that's kind of a good way to end. Um, so should I just read all of 34? or? Yeah, going ahead. Um, many believe Joshua wrote this because obviously Moses kicks the bucket here, but I honestly don't think the authorship is important. No, I don't think so either. But So then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negeb, uh, and the plain that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as uh, Zoar. Um, and the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you and your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes but you shall not go over there. So really, you see right before Moses dies, he gets actually a, I mean, he gets a beautiful view of this promised land. Um, and really that he he ends with, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Although he didn't, Moses didn't get to enter the land, he still got to see it. And really, in a sense, got to see God's promise fulfilled um, as he showed them um, as they're about ready to enter this promised land that has been, what, a promise of God for a very long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Moses, verse 5, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite <laughs> Beth Peor. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were undimmed and vigor unabated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. I thought that was really cool where um, his eyes were (coughs) undimmed and vigor unabated. Like 
I always view like an old person is like barely moving and like this uh, kind of makes me think he still had spunk in him. Like, you know, when we did just sang that last song, like he did it with, with yeah. authority and with livelihood, you well, know? And some scholars said that like his eyes being undimmed were also a, uh, another way of saying that he was still filled with the Holy spirit. Oh. So that's kind of a neat, yeah, that is kind of cool. It's kind of a, he was still, about all his faculties were all about him and he was still living according to the spirit even until death it's kind of a neat picture and and i, and I read that like it seems like a lot of I, I guess throughout history a lot of smart people or jewish pe- smart people really reflected on on what this focused on or what was going on and one of the things that christopher wright brought out is that um you know they've discussed a lot of these things but Moses was so close with God and played such a prominent role in in, ex, er, in Deuteronomy that in a sense, by him not being able to go into the land, still showed his humanity, mm-hmm. still showed his still showed his mu- humanity, his mortality, that that he was not God, even though he spoke sometimes with with the same authority. And, and so you see like in Deuteronomy, it goes. Oh, back and I see forth. what you're saying. Yeah, it goes back and forth where you have, you know, sometimes. Oh no, that sounds weird through a microphone. Um, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Um, but sometimes, how like you read Deuteronomy, you don't always know when Moses is speaking and when God is speaking, and and Moses got to see and have a relationship with God face to face. But, but, but ultimately, um, by him not being able to enter the promised land. It shows that, that he was not God, mm-hmm. but he was mortal. He was human, and he still had some of the imperfections that humans have. And so that was one of the things that at least Christopher Wright brought out, although there was lots of debate within the Jewish reflection throughout centuries. This was the one that at least stood out when, when he was discussing. That's kind of, yeah, it's kind of nice to remember because we always do see the heroes of the bible and they're yeah. they can do no wrong but yeah here it's like well here's the humanity of moses he he did do wrong and he right. paid a price for it mm-hmm. yeah it's hmm. yeah so i don't know how much how much of that is real and how much of that is reflection from people i think it's it's that but i think it's cool to think through we'll, that we'll put that in the podcast notes okay yeah. sounds good <laughs> Yeah, Cliff's notes. Um, so then the last part. Um, it's all going to be ending here. No, I have it labeled as, as his eulogy. And I was like, you know, this is kind of a cool eulogy. So yeah. he didn't get to enter the land. But I, I think that either God or, or someone or Joshua or whatever, it really acknowledges um, how God had used Moses throughout his life. And verse 9. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him, so the people of Israel obeyed, obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there was not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. And for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Yeah, and that's that's a an amazing honor right there. Absolutely. So and so that's kind of an uh, incomparable eulogy. <laughs> Probably not one has been made as good since maybe John the Baptist. 
no no man born was greater than him according to jesus but yeah there's i mean we we hear great things about elijah we hear great things about elisha um but yeah moses was often regarded as like the lead prophet like the the man the the most quote-unquote holy outside of christ who walked the earth probably you oh sorry (laughs) excuse me yeah it's uh it is a great end because it, it 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 does I think put the right amount of glory to God and it puts the right amount of respect to Moses. Right. Um, because nowadays we have so much like oh if you take any kind of good it's prideful and like we have a distorted view of like what actually is saying somebody was a, a blessed by God and worked powerful things through God and we get all worried and disclaimer oriented when. <clears throat> I think if you walked up and told Moses, hey, you're being used by God to do great things, he would probably say, I know. Mm-hmm. Like, he wanted to get all faux humility about it, you know? But I would still have, I'd be embarrassed. I think it's <laughs> where, you, where you put your humility. Yeah. You know, what? It, what is the difference? Is, is humility saying, oh, I didn't do that. But, you know, humility is saying, you know, I, maybe I did, but I could have only done it through God's guidance, through his wisdom, through his, the spirit. Right. Um, and giving credit where credit is due, not necessarily taking it on yourself and letting it puff you up. Right. Yeah. So that's that's Deuteronomy, folks. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll always remember this book in yeah. the last however many years, two and some change. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been, it's been a while. Wow. So we've recorded probably almost three years or over three years. Uh, no, it was like a little over two, I think. I got the, oh, I don't have the, let's see, 52, that would have been two years. We'll probably do two and a half years. Okay. Of about, I'll have to look. I can't remember what the, I think the last one I posted was like in the early 50s and we'll probably end in the mid to late 50s. Okay. So, wow. Okay. Yeah, by the time you hear this, uh, it will be Christmas. (laughs) Right. Or so whatever, yeah, because we're heading up on Thanksgiving here in yep. real time. Really, really close. Yeah. So, all right. Well, um, happy Deuteronomy. Um, yeah. Hopefully you've enjoyed. And by the um, by the time you hear this, we'll probably have it, the announcement of the next book yep. that we'll be doing, and we'll probably hype that up a little bit so you guys have some time to uh, uh, study a little on your own, buy maybe a commentary, or maybe we'll recommend a couple of books or something to kind of come along with us, and yeah. we'll try and get you all that. So. This will be old news probably by that time. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Thanks. Cool. Bye. Bye.